0: 45 minute sermon, that's that's comment number one, um, but it's important uh, to come around God's Word. It's a little interesting today because we, uh, if you're over at Hillview, you've already heard a sermon on Romans 8, 31 and 32, but this is a different sermon. I promise I didn't just steal Colin Dennis's notes, uh, he was preaching over at Hillview. He did offer me to just take his notes, but I thought, no, no, I'll stick with, uh, with what I've got, but that was a, a precious time this morning. It's good to come around. God's word in moments like these moments like these are very significant markers Uh, they provide for us a focal point to what has been and what is an unfolding story of what God has been inviting us all into in Contour Community Church not least what he has been inviting the Rathel family into as part of that work. And we ask these questions, and those questions and the answers to those questions are important. Not that, uh, if I'm honest, probably you, like me, probably didn't feel that we were in doubt of what the answers to the questions would be. It's not like Harley was just deciding how to answer in that moment. That's not how you do things when you've moved your whole family across the world. You don't do that unless you're sure of God's Calling, but still, these answers this afternoon are meaningful as a public, formal declaration of commitment within the covenant community of God's people. And the answers are important not only in terms of sealing what has gone before to bring us to the point where the Rathal family are among us. And they're important not just for what is happening right now. Do you know that God is at work in countless ways? In my heart and in your heart and in this world, right in this very moment. But the answers to those questions are important for Harley and for Liz and indeed for all of us as we look to the future. They have testified before us here this afternoon that God has to the best of their ability in terms of understanding God's will and God's purposes for their lives, they've testified that God has called them to this role. And that we've shared that we as a church have also discerned together that that is the case. Now that's an incredible reality if we reflect on that for a few moments, that we humbly, I hope humbly, believe that God has shown us his will. You know, in the, in the scriptures it says, who has known the mind of God? And, and the, the implicit answer expected is, no one knows fully the mind of God. But, but, but we have humbly believed that it is indeed God's, in God's mind, that it is God's plan for this moment and for these coming months and years to unfold. That is not anything to be flippant about. And that reality of God's calling to a particular place for a particular purpose, for a particular time is significant and a powerful thing to hold on to for lots of reasons. But one of them is because it can be challenging to be a pastor. It can be challenging being a pastor. You've got to know if you're called of God to be in a place So you can survive certain challenging moments. For example, some of the following challenging moments. Charlie, where's Charlie at? If we can flash up the first image. Like if you struggle with setting the right culture in your church. So you have here guys with their placards saying, prove it, no way. And the quote at the bottom says, I heard this church is a safe place to express doubts. Well, that's one challenge that you can find. Or if, like in the next cartoon, you're in danger of an overshare in your sermons. Like this guy who says uh, to his pastor, the vulnerability of your sermon inspires me to share my own doubts about the depth of your faith. <laughs> You've got to get the right balance. Sometimes it's an overshare. Sometimes you just need to be careful. Or, and I think this one might be more a danger for me than Harley, but some people just don't understand the key to a powerful sermon. <laughs> you seem obsessed with sermon points that all begin with the same letter. The reply comes, that's just silly, speculative, and subversive. <laughs> oh dear, I don't, I don't know if you have a draw towards that. You do? Okay, well. <laughs> oh no, you don't? Okay, just me, guys. Sorry, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be blessed by Harley's preaching in that regard. Right, we can get rid of those. It can be challenging being a pastor. Way beyond silly things like that. Now, now with that issue, there's two dangers. You can overplay that issue. Woe is me, it's so hard to be a pastor. You, can, you definitely shouldn't overplay it. But you can also underplay that reality. And, and Harley and, and Liz are very well aware already of the, the struggles and sometimes the heartache of pastoral ministry. In Harley... We have a pastor who cares. He cares for you guys already. He's already said that we already love you guys. And he cares not just about us, but he cares about the reputation of Jesus Christ. He cares about the reputation of Jesus' name in this part of the world and he cares about the plans and purposes that God has to share his love with this world. And of course, if you care about those things, then you're going to care and you're going to find it difficult when the people who you love are hurting. When you care about the reputation of Jesus' name, you're going to find it difficult when the the culture of which you're a part cares zero for the renown and and the, the glory of this great God of ours and you're going to care when the church finds it hard to discern what direction is God taking us in and how fast should we walk and what should we do first and second you're going to care when those things are difficult and that's one reason it's so important for Harley and Liz to know that they are called of God to this time and this place beyond even Confidence that God has them and their family in the right place in this moment. Beyond even that that sense of being sure that God has called us to this place. There is a deeper hope which Harley and Liz can hold on to. And which dear friends we can all hold on to. I mean those struggles I mentioned. They're not unique to being a pastor. We all face discouragement. We all face difficulty in life and in ministry. And we need hope. And what hope we have in these closing verses in Romans chapter 8. So for, for any who are visiting, and there's a lot of you here this afternoon, we've been camping out in Romans 8 for a little while. First of all, looking at the role of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What does he do in our life? And then in these last few weeks uh, before Advent, uh, we've been thinking about what does it mean to live secure in the love of of God, So we're going to read from verse 31 and we're just going to read right to the end just because it's so good. So, so Paul starts in verse 31 by asking, what then shall we say to these things? He's, he's closing out a, a section and I, I loved what Colin Dennis shared this morning he said he could almost imagine Paul turning to, to Tertius who was probably scribing this letter down for him and saying you know let's read up until this point what the Holy Spirit has inspired us to put down on this parchment and then almost getting to this point in Romans 8 31 saying what then shall we say to these things this is incredible and, and People don't know what does he mean by these things, the previous few verses. Some people think that. Some people think it's all of chapter 8. Some people think it's from verse 1 of chapter 5. Others think it's just the letter as a whole. No one really knows, but certainly everyone agrees that Paul has just been laying out these amazing truths about the good news of Jesus Christ. And here is a one key moment of summing up for him. So this is God's word For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Such a beautiful passage of scripture. Paul is not just communicating information in these verses but he's seeking in his quite unique use of language here to move us to the very core of our being he asks after saying what shall we say to these things he asks five rhetorical questions in these verses and we're just going to look at the first two of them and about these rhetorical questions John Stott wrote this he says Paul hurls them into space as it were, in a spirit of bold defiance, he challenges anybody and everybody in heaven, earth, or hell to answer them and to deny the truth which they contain. But there is no answer. You see, we have to let the rhetorical impact of these verses impact us. Because if we read them wrong, we could get in all sorts of muddles. Take, for example, Paul's first rhetorical question in, in verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, one answer th- to that question would be, well, how long have you got, Paul? How long have you got? I'm sure many of you are feeling this afternoon that there are things, powers, people, circumstances that are against you. And it's good for us not to be naive about that reality. Paul wasn't. Just a few verses later, Paul lists some of the the struggles, the things that were against him. And it's worth us acknowledging as well some of the challenges that we face. And it's worth Harley and Liz just being honest and realistic about that as well as they look to the coming days of ministry. We do face challenges. First of all, we face challenges from the world around about us. Again, it's hard to consider this in terms of the question: Is how is the Church of Jesus Christ perceived in the world in which we live? And it's easy to get too scared about that, or to get too complacent about that. We don't want to over or underplay this. Um, listen to what Scottish author and minister William Barclay wrote in his 1950s commentary on Luke. He said, Jesus promised his disciples three things. That they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. (laughs) Now I think that's a fair summary of a lot of what Jesus taught. And if Jesus warned us of trouble 2,000 years ago, and William Barclay confirmed the reality of that trouble in in the 1950s, then I'm sure we can see signs of that also in this world in which we live. Ways that the world around us rejects what we hold to be most central, most precious about who our God is and what it means to have faith in Jesus. It's no surprise to those of us who are Christians that some of the world, they don't like that reality and they're making that clear in various ways. And we shouldn't get angry about that. We should not judge those who are outside of the church because of that. There's some explicitly clear passages. 1 Corinthians 5 comes to mind, which make clear. We should not judge the world. They're blind. They can't see what is true reality. What we are to do in that time is we are to just keep showing up. We are to keep by the power of the Spirit allowing the love of Jesus Christ to flow through us. But as it says in 1 Peter 4, we should not be surprised about the sometimes fiery trials that we're in or that are coming towards, towards us. So, so, so who, who's against us? Well in some sense the world is against us. We also know from the scriptures that there are spiritual powers that are against us. Paul speaks in Ephesians chapter 6 of, quote, the cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil. There is a very real sense, which we must be conscious of, that on an exciting day like today in Jesus' church for us here, but the broader work of what God is doing in this place, that there are dark spiritual forces against any stepping forward of Jesus' church that would seek to lift him up and to further the work that he is doing in this part of the world. So the the world is against us. There are spiritual forces that are against us. What is actually, to be honest with you, much sadder than that is that we can also expect attacks from within, within from inside the church. There can be, inside of Jesus' church, gossip, slander, jealousy, self-righteousness. Those who would seek to trip others up. Those who would seek to make ministry and life difficult for Harley and his family. It's interesting that among Paul's final words in this letter, listen to what he writes in chapter 16, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Paul warns the church. Brothers and sisters, may we not be people That Harley and Liz have to avoid. At least not for for those reasons. (laughs) Maybe if you're feeding them too much cake or something like that. Maybe they have to avoid you for that. But but not because you're an obstacle to what God is wanting to do through them. So the, the world, spiritual forces are against us. Sometimes the reality is we're against one another. May it not be, but we are sometimes against one another in Jesus' church. And then finally, who can be against us, Paul asks. Well, let's be honest. Sometimes we need to look within and go, sometimes we need to realize that we can act in such a way that we are actually acting against the very substance of who we are in Christ. It's interesting thinking of this moment of commissioning. Earlier, we read from 1 Peter chapter 5 But in another passage that is often read in moments like this, in Acts chapter 20, listen to what Paul writes to the Ephesian elders as he's he's heading off. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. How does Harley fulfil his calling as a pastor? Yes, certainly by paying careful attention to those who are part of the flock that God has put in place here. But that's not what Paul says first. Did you see it? Did you hear it? Pay careful attention to yourselves, he says, to the elders and to the flock of God. It is crucial that Harley first pays attention to himself that he cares for himself and his family. He considers his own health in every aspect of that word as a matter of primary importance. And of course, that's not just pastors that have to think of that. We all have a responsibility to, 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 to that in our own lives, to looking in and going, how am I doing before the Lord? And then, of course, we all have a responsibility in helping Harley and Liz to, to take care of themselves first in terms of the expectations that we are putting on them, in terms of our car, our care for them, in terms of us, for example, little practical things like guarding their days off, which, for your info, are Friday and Saturday. Don't WhatsApp them on a Friday or Saturday. Email's fine because they can check that when they get back in. But, 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 but we, we want to care well for them and these things. And then for all of us, May we beware the danger we are to our own standing before God. So much of the New Testament is calling God's people to remember who they truly are and to live in light of that reality. Don't act contrary to the nature of who God has made you by his grace and in his power. So much of the New Testament calls us to that. But that is not the main message Of the Bible. The main message of the Bible is of this beautifully perfect God who exists in perfect peace and wholeness and how this God is a giving God within his very nature, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and how that giving heart spilled out bringing about the creation of this world and women and men like us made in his own image and the message of the bible is that despite our rejection of this god he still remains king and he still remains committed to giving of himself and sharing of himself with a people so that we might know what true goodness is, so that we might know what true purity is, what true faithfulness is, wisdom, love, kindness, compassion, that we might know who this God is. And so to bring about this generous sharing of Himself, God generously shared of Himself. And now we get to verse 32. Because we hear that this God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. So that through that act, he might graciously give us all things. Yes, let's be honest. There are many against us. This world, spiritual powers, our brothers and sisters, even ourselves. But no one, no one can stop this great God of ours. His love is too strong. His plan is too perfect. His generosity so endless. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus was given up every single one of us to bring about all that God had planned. Listen to what a uh, 19th century Baptist minister, Octavius Winslow, that's almost as good a name as Harley Rathel, not quite. <laughs> uh, listen to what he once wrote. Who delivered up Jesus to die? Not Judas for money, not Pilate for fear, not the jews for envy but the father for love paul has already spoken of this in verses three to four we have been set free because god has acted verse three he has done What the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So it's our sin, our rebellion that was rightly condemned by this God of ours, the judge of the universe, but it was not condemned in our flesh. It was condemned in the flesh of Jesus Christ. He died so that we might live he rose and ascended into heaven where we, his people, will one day join him, sharing in his rule and his reign. We've been looking at that in Romans 8, verses 14 to 17, enjoying in him all that is his forever and ever. Here's the truth of Romans eight thirty-one to 32. God is for you. If you love Jesus, if you know you're his, God is for you. Harley and Liz, God is for you. Could anything be more wonderful than that? Who could be against you? Who could be against you in light of that reality we pray that as your church family we will honor and respect you in this calling that god has given you we pray that you'll be protected from spiritual attack we pray that you'll be granted sustenance when the attacks from the, the world come at you we pray that you'll be by the power of the Spirit, drawn more into the conformity of the image of Jesus Christ week by week. Some months are going to be better than others and all those things. But God's favor over you never changes. It never, ever changes. May you know that reality and may you minister and live from the beautiful peace that comes from knowing that God's favor is over you. Would it not be brilliant, dear friends, if some years from now we could say, if there's one thing I can tell you about Harley Raythal, it's that he knows that God is for him. He knows that God loves him with a perfect love. He knows that God has been and is and will forever be endlessly giving of himself for him and for his family and that he lives in light of that reality and may we all be able to stand firm in that wonderful truth that no matter what comes at you this week you need not fear because God is for you and if God is for you who can be against you you need not fear I'm just going to close with some words from Luke chapter 12 beautiful words from the Lord Jesus himself so verse 4 of Luke chapter 12 says this, I tell you, my friends, isn't it beautiful? Our God calls us friends. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that I have nothing more they can do. I mean, that's a radical verse. I once heard that verse paraphrased as, don't be afraid, they can only kill you. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what Jesus says. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and then have nothing more that they can do. Listen to verse 5. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And then listen to the nature of this God who we are to fear. Verse 6 to 8. It's just amazing. Listen to just Jesus just flows straight into this. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. What a God we have. What gifts he has for those who acknowledge him. For those who fear him. For those who know they're loved by him and are alive in him. He's for us. He gives to us. Now and evermore. Amen.